Welcome, welcome, welcome. Boy, you know, I'm getting spoiled with these days. The, the weather's so nice, you know, and I don't have to have that obnoxious air conditioner on the background. I'm, you know, I, I get to like this. But anyway, it's going to be heating up again, so I'm just giving you a heads up that probably next week we'll have that obnoxious thing blowing in the background. Anyway, welcome. We're doing a noon show today. It's a special show for us. Um, our, our, our guest is from, is from the UK, and I'm really excited to have him on. Um, Charles Christian. I uh, visited England quite a few years ago, and I had a very great cousin named Terry who gave us tours all over the all over the UK, and she knew all about the legends, and it was just so fascinating. You know, at the age I was, I'm 14, 15 years old, it, it was just just absolutely incredible to hear some of the legends we visited, one of Henry VIII's castles, and and stuff like that. So when I heard this gentleman on another radio show, I was really excited to bring him on because I'm really interested in, in a lot of the legends being fairy folk and, and, and ghosts and, and other things that, 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 that uh, people over there like to talk about. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner and operator of the California haunts paranormal investigation team. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org and the website for the radio show is www.californiahauntsradio.com. Com, yeah, the other one's dot org. <laughs> it's because I got two of the same title practically. And you can visit us over there because I've got all the archives for the show. Every show we've ever done here um, is over there, and I'm going to be updating a huge update because before we were here, we were on Blog Talk for like three years, three four years. So we've got we've got we got a couple hundred shows over on Blog Talk. So I'm going to try and do an archive list for that as well. So we'll see, we'll see how long that takes. But that's all going to be over on the radio website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Anyway, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest and we can get the show on the road. Good morning. Good afternoon. How about that? It's evening well, for you. It's, it's it for me. It, yes, it's, it's 8 o'clock in the evening over here. How's the weather over there? very good at the moment very good uh nice. we're having our having we don't have your heats but we're having what's what's good for england an english summer okay cool 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 tell me a little bit about yourself right um weirdly i started out in life as a barrister that's the lawyers who wear the wig and gowns in court mm -hmm. and i appear to joined the profession at the only time that the law wasn't making money. So I moved on and uh, became a journalist and worked for a number of tech publications, medical publications. I did a big long running series on doctors who are murderers, um, mainly English murderers. And <laughs> then as time went on, I was able to move into writing stuff that if you like wasn't quite within the day job and <laughs> i started to pursue my interest in history folklore legends a lot of the stuff i grew up with as a kid and mm -hmm. tales being told by parents and aunts and uncles and things like that what do you think is one of the biggest um pieces of uh, bits of folklore that that, that that you have over there It's so much of it, actually. I mean, that's that's the the thing. We, you know, we've got people. You know, we've got properties that have been inhabited for 
hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's so much of it. Um, it's very hard to pay, put, a, put a finger on it. I mean, uh, where I now live in East Anglia, that's the bit of England that sticks out on the east. And any of your listeners who've had family who are in the American Air Force in World War II, they'd have been based here because it's so flat and close to Germany. So it's it's thick with old airfields and things. Uh, but the, the area I'm in, um, we have Anne Boleyn, who is probably, he's one of, oh, you mentioned yeah. Henry VIII earlier on. Mm -hmm. she's, she's was his second wife and the first to lose her head. And... Um, she is probably the most frequently seen ghost in the UK and uh, her family home is near here and it's said that every year on the eve of her death a coach rides up to the house and she's sitting in the coach with her head on her lap and uh, goes into the house. <laughs> <laughs> she's seen at the Tower of London isn't she? She's seen yeah. at the Tower of London. She's also seen at uh, a place caught in Kent called Hever Castle. Obviously, the Tower of London, because that's mm -hmm. that's where she was executed. Mm -hmm. um, and she's also seen at other castles because her family were very wealthy and had lots of property. So, you know, she's seen at the place where she was a child. She's seen at the place where she lived as a teenager, and other places as well. And we even have her father who is is now reportedly a ghost and is cursed on the eve of his daughter's death to cross 12 bridges in Norfolk in a horse and, horse and coach um, from midnight and before dawn. But there's such a distance that it's impossible to do. So he's doomed to do this every year to eternity because he wasn't very nice he, he he basically dropped his daughter and his son in it um to keep his own place in the um sure uh, king's favor and uh sacrifice his daughter for his own reputation so he he pays in the afterlife supposedly well, like you say, there's so many legends over there, and that, that's what makes it so cool. I mean, for us, I mean, we, we have our ghost hauntings and stuff, but it's not like it is over there because we don't have the history to go back that far in time either. I mean, we're lucky probably on, the, on our East Coast, maybe the six, maybe the 1600s if we're lucky. Yes, yeah. You know, where you yeah. guys can go way back. Yes, yeah. There's that famous story when Ozzy Osbourne was caught um creating a public nuisance outside the wall of the alamo and he said that the, the, you know there are public public lavatories restrooms in the uk that are older than this place so, uh, i love ozzy yeah i love ozzy he's a he's quite the personality especially on tv here he's really the personality we we, we love him over here um, yeah yeah I know I visited one of Henry Henry VIII's castle. I can't remember quite where it was. Um, I know I know she told us that he had a weird quirk about um, he was paranoid that people were going to kill him, so he would he, he would brick himself into his rooms, his bedrooms. I haven't heard that one. He was definitely, um, and with good reason, paranoid about being um, uh, killed. And there were a number of attempts to poison him. Mm -hmm. And he actually had special laws uh, enacted for poisoners um, that very gruesome torture. You were boiled to death for trying to poison the king. Uh, it was repealed after he died. But, uh, uh, yeah, he, 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 there, were, there were a lot of attempts on his life, um, as, as there were on his daughter Elizabeth, who was mm -hmm. by... Mm -hmm. Anne Boleyn, who we've just mentioned. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It was a dangerous time. And mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the way they operated, the courts were, the royal courts were packed mm -hmm. with people who would be almost camping out there for days, if not weeks, waiting to see the king or to try and get an audience with the king or to it. And so there was this huge population floating around 
the uh, royal courts and uh, all manner of people were in that so uh, security was a big was an issue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tell me about fairy folk because i know that that's a great because you talked about that on the other show and i thought yeah. that was rather fascinating tell me about the fairy folk because i ran into a paranormal case here uh, about a year ago where it involved fairy folk and i was very mm. surprised because one you know one of our sensitives went in went in and said you're not going to believe this but it's it it, it, it it's fair it's you know it's fairies that, that are causing this and i went really so tell me about what fairy folk yeah I, I mean there is a theory that um the irish immigrants brought fairy folk over to north america okay. and that they also came over with you know traditions also came over with some of the earlier english settlers in the early part of the 17th century so there it's 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 not a com country although you know you tend to think america really doesn't have much to do with right. fairy folk there is a long tradition of it going back and um accusations of witchcraft um <laughs> back in the salem days and things um again some of them were associated with fairy folk but 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 over over in the uk um and ireland uh it's it's a, it's a fascinating topic because it has been around for such a long time there's tales of fairy folk enchanting people going right back a thousand plus years and um a lot of the saxons the the people who were here uh around the country before the normans came over and the norman conquest 1066 and all that um a lot of them have fairy names in their um the, you know, the sources of their names have a sort of an elfin fairy touch to them so there's 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 this long tradition of it and depending on how you like to accept it one of the views is that the land of the fae fairy folk mm -hmm. is not of this world it's another world but it's parallel to this one. So it's almost as if there are portals that you can go through and they're existing in a parallel dimension to uh, the world of um, humans and that at certain times of the year, the barriers are thinner and there are certain places where you can cross over. So there's there's a lot of folklore about fairy rings, which are... Um, naturally occurring formations of mushrooms in a circle or toadstools hmm. and um, it's long been believed to be very very unlucky to step into a mushroom ring a fairy ring because that's where the fairy folk live and basically you can't see them until you step in there and they're there then and they will then dance with you and uh, the normal tale is that life, that time in uh, fairyland lasts so much longer than in the real world. And so you get tales of people who think they've only been gone a few hours. And when they come back out of the fairy ring, maybe days years and in some instances um decades have gone past and everybody they know is dead and uh old and uh, that you know there's this strange time continue um sort of time divergence going on there and that's a that again is one of these traits that's associated with the fairy folk and has been associated with them for a long time that um seven days in fairyland is the equivalent of seven years in the real world i never knew that yeah yeah there's, there's a lot of them you know there's a, there's this one tale of a king called king hurler and he went for a basically a a three-day party um in fairyland at the request of the fairy king and when he came out 
300 years had passed and he was told basically to stay on his horse uh, because if he didn't, he would come back into earth time and some of his men who jumped off their horses crumbled away to dust. And you know when he came back, he was long forgotten. Um, his kingdom had fallen. Everybody he knew had gone. And say so it's a it's a it's a continuing theme um, that there are these places where you can cross over. Um, you get the same stories about stone circles. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Stonehenge is the best known one, but right, are, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, there's lots of other stone circles, not so not quite so impressive and not quite so well known in more of uh, remote parts. And many of them have legends that. At certain times of the year, uh, fairy folk can be seen in there um, dancing, moving about. And that if you go there, you risk being captured by the fairies and held by them. And you may never, ever return to the real world again. Well, are there good fairies and bad fairies or just mischievous? Um. The, the 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 fairy law splits them into two sorts the seely court and the unseely court that's a scottish word seely mm -hmm. and the seely court are the good fairies um in that they will tolerate human beings and humor them and they don't necessarily like them but and they may play tricks on them mm -hmm. <coughs> but they're not malicious whereas the unseely court have no time for humans and will be horrible to them and uh, you want to avoid them. They're, 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 they're not the good guys. And um, I say it's, it's, it's again, as I say, it goes back so long and you, you hear people talking about you know, finding fairy arrows and really these are just stone flints from mm -hmm. the Stone Ages as sort of arrow arrowheads and the things but obviously people didn't know about ancient history when they were finding these things so they would find these very small arrows and say well it must be some kind of fairy um weaponry and uh I, I, you know it, it it runs through and sometimes the good fairies will bestow a gift on you um sometimes they will bestow a curse on you um <laughs> You know, there's there's a mountain in Wales where it's said that if you go up there um, on certain times of the year, you and spend the night there, you will come down either insane or a poet, uh, depending on what the fairy folk do for you and how they treat you and how they view you. Now, there are certain fairies that do certain things that are, you know, like. Um... Like like you got your earth your earthbound fairies correct, the, 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 yeah 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 uh, I mean the, the fairy laws a bit confusing because if you go back and go back to the language of the time um, French and early English the word for fairies was the same as the word for elves and so there is this theory that elves are actually just another name for fairy folk and the they are generally depicted as being almost human in size maybe a little bit finer and a little bit smaller but not tiny tiny however in the 19th century um the belief grew up that fairies were tiny, tiny little fluttering mm. creatures with the wings. Tinkerbell. So you've got Tinkerbell. <laughs> exactly. Tinkerbell. Yeah. Um, exactly. And um, so there's this sort of bit of a mishmash is that um, are they tall, almost human-like creatures or are they the little fluttery creatures with wings? Mm -hmm. And the taller human-like ones they are never depicted in wings, but they 
uh, can move ever so fast and they are different to humans. They look like humans, but they're different to humans. Mm -hmm. And so they appear to be flying because they can move so fast and they can jump and leap and, um, you know, generally display all the characteristics we now associate with superheroes that mm -hmm. they can leap and run around as opposed to the little Tinkerbells. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know um, <laughs> popular or uh, Christmas ornament here are wood sprites. Mm -hmm. Little crystal yeah. wood sprites. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the the you you you're dealing. I mean, another name for fairies is elementals. Right. In that they are a magical creature, and you have the ones associated with woods, and obviously there's a long tradition of elves and fairy folk mm -hmm. being associated with woods and they sometimes they call them sylvan um and then there are the water sprites or mm -hmm. water fairies associated with uh water lakes um rivers and the like and um you know they each have their own habitation and their own living places and uh, again, they can also be mischievous. Um, again, going back to where I live now, um, we have a tradition of little creatures called heiter sprites, and they um, are seen in, they're really will-o'-the-wisps, and they lurk in marshy places. And again, where I live, there's a whole section called the fens, which is very boggy land and um, the more evil ones will lead people astray across marshes so they either get stuck in the marsh or worse still they drown and sink into the marshes um so uh, you know and until till the early part of the last century you know the 1920s 30s people would say to their children mothers would say to their children you know you be good or the the height of sprites will get you and it was a sort of a warning this is a this is all very you know fascinating to me you know because like we we taught i mean there's legends here but it's not like you have legends there like i found one thing that i kind of found that when you ghost hunt here the ghosts are a little nicer because <laughs> when you get into some of those castles over there it's always some really upset ghost you know there's always one that's in torment does that make sense? It does. It does. I suppose, again, um, I mean, you must have um, unhappy sure. ghosts sure, from sure, sure. battlefields and things. And obviously, right. we've got all the battlefields and <laughs> all the castles where people were tortured and horrible things happened to them. And if you accept the idea that a lot of ghosts are trapped where some really traumatic event happened in their life and obviously being killed in battle or being tortured to death in some dungeon is about as traumatic as you can get sure then um they are ingrained in the masonry in the landscape and um you know that there used to be a tale of uh after the Battle of Edgehill, which was in the English Civil War in the 17th century, um, that for several years afterwards, on the anniversary of the battle, you could see ghostly warriors fighting in the sky. And people said, you know, they could even recognize sort of relatives of theirs who'd been in the battle and died. So you've got this strong tradition of ghosts being associated with a place and um trapped there basically um until i, I you know I, I, it it just does seem that um ghosts do seem to almost wear out over time they haunt for so long and then they start to fade away uh, you know mm -hmm. as people have said we we don't get any ghosts of stone age men uh, you know people going back 10,000 people, mm -hmm. 10,000 years, they, they, they seem to have gone. 
and most of the ghosts seem to be medieval to you know early modern to recent and uh, the older ghosts slowly fade away though again you know we still have tales of roman soldiers and the romans um occupied and ran Mm -hmm. England, or was then the province, Roman province of Britannia, for a couple of thousand years. And mm. there's an intriguing ghost story from a city called York, the north of England. And that is that a builder was working in the basement of an old, um, I think it was uh, an old bishop's house there. Again, there's there's a big cathedral there and a lot of history there they've still got the walls all around the mm -hmm. city and the city gates and things and he was working there and he saw a column of roman soldiers march through the cellar where he was working but the intriguing bit on his report was that he could only see them from the knee up and yeah. it was then subsequently established because there's always excavations going on where there's building works that the actual road surface of roman times was a couple of feet beneath the then surface level so they were walking on the level that they walked on during their lifetimes but it had been built up with rubbish and rebuilding and new foundations and things so hence the fact they appeared to be uh, cut off at their knees as they mm -hmm. marched past. That's absolute. That's interesting. Yeah, I've heard stories like that. I've heard stories, and I don't know if it's in England or over in Italy, where there's part that there's different roads and stuff where people will see them marching. They'll, they'll see the you know the, the the ghostly soldiers marching like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Italy, obviously, is where the Romans all came from. Right, right, right. It was the centre of their empire, and their whole road network la um, focused there. And there's a big mountain range going through the middle of Italy, so it tends to limit where your roads go. Uh, mm -hmm. Naturally, and the same's happened in this country. Right. Um, the roads were just built over and built up and the old roman roads are the basis of our modern day uh, roads and um you know the, the quite naturally it's been built up and um the roman ground level is many feet below the modern ground level so you know it makes sense as if they're walking where they knew they'd be and the same thing why they appear to walk through walls and things mm -hmm. is because when they were there those walls weren't there or there were doorways there or you know the buildings were in different structures particularly with old buildings you know e even a castle um some of them lasted in occupation three or four hundred years and so they were refashioned and rebuilt and changed and design was changed and so somebody who had some incident in a castle say the tower of london in 1100 a.d mm -hmm. uh the castle that they you know it by modern times it's been transformed and changed and you know doorways have been sealed up passages have been sealed up so you know people walk through the walls you know one of the funniest things uh, oh ghost hunting is when you have a medium or a psychic with you because if you go into yeah. an older building, <laughs> I've seen them where they walked in the, into walls because they're seeing yeah. it as it was before. And it's not, I mean, I mean, it's not funny because they run into it, but it is funny at the same time because, you know, they'll be go talking and saying, well, yeah, I'm feeling this and this and this. And then boom, they make impact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, that, 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 that's, that's reasonable because, you know, um, the modern building doesn't have the same vibes as the original building or the mm -hmm. building that well, the haunting is associated with yeah absolutely no no it's it's it, 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 intriguing it makes me wonder about the royal family because they're living in all those manor houses and in all those old 
buildings. I mean, I mean, talk about ghost investigators. They must be real experts at it. Yeah, um, Windsor Castle is the oldest one the royal family live in. Um, St James's Palace is also a well. Windsor Castle is medieval, the original bit. Um, when um, St James's Palace, that is sort of Tudor, and then the other ones are a bit later. You know, Buckingham Palace is. 18th century and so on so mm. and uh the one where the queen goes for her holidays sandringham which again is in my part of the world mm -hmm. that is 19th century you know victorian era so but again they must have ghosts because there's so many hundreds of people who've lived and worked there yeah. And some some of them are so large, um, you know, with lots of rooms that are properly sealed up and not used anymore. Because, you know, as I said, the in in the early days, the royal court was a huge institution, and there would be hundreds of people attending or trying to get an audience with the king and queen. Yeah. Um, now there isn't, so there's lots of space there that you know are just closed up, musty rooms, not used. So. You know who who knows what goes on there, and um, in the in those rooms that the queen never goes in. Sure, there's a lot of a lot of places to imprint. You know, yes, uh, a lot yeah. of places. I also know um, I have some legends too for uh, some of the castles. You know, over over in England and Scottish castles where there. Um, I know I heard of one of a um, lone bagpiper. Yeah. Who, who do you know about that one? There's 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 several with bagpipers. Um, I think one of the reasons is bagpipes are a particularly mournful sound, especially mm -hmm. just one piper. When there's a when there's a whole band marching along, then there's a whole different vibe to it. But by themselves, they are actually quite spooky sounds, and they sounds travel a long way. And you know, there's various tales of pipers who are playing a lament for their colleagues who've been lost in battle because they've been the scottish are used to be a clan-based society mm -hmm. and the different clans were always warring with each other and at later time they started having different religious um, affiliations and so they were fighting and the history of scotland is pretty much Three or four hundred years of civil war with people squabbling with each other and plotting against each other. And um, some of the castles have, again, very long histories and mm -hmm. very weird histories. Um, Glam's Castle, um, that's spelt Glamis um, with an IS ending, that one is a castle that. Um, the present queen's mother, uh, she grew up there. She was a daughter of that family, the Bose Lions. And that has a number of ghost stories, including supposedly a hideously deformed earl, the rightful heir, who was so hideous that he was locked away in a room and his remains are still kept there and it's been a big secret in the family and there's a couple of tales of people when there were house parties again when you're going back to the equivalent of the um you know roaring 20s in the us when mm -hmm. great gatesby with the big um house parties and things um similar trend in england and in scotland and people tried to find the haunted room by hanging handkerchiefs out of each window on the basis of the window that didn't have a handkerchief there was clearly the one no one could find so it must be the mysterious walled up um, room and supposedly they did spot a room but the laird, the owner of the castle, wouldn't let anybody go there. But, you know, there's other tales there of um, they 
brought in um they had they had peace talks with another clan and invited them into the castle and then slew them all and again that there's a room that no one dare go into because it's haunted by the spirits of all the clansmen who were murdered there and you know the, 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 just anyone's Hol Holyrood house um, a palace in Edinburgh that was where Mary Queen of Scots lived and she had a private secretary called Rizzio and he was stabbed to death in front of her eyes and uh, oh. by members of the family who didn't like him and um, he is said to haunt the place and you know her own husband Lord Darnley died in mysterious circumstances when the house he was living in um, exploded and was blown to pieces so so the, 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 there's a lot of bloodthirsty history so it's it's not surprising that you get um bloodthirsty ghost stories and mm -hmm. um, plenty of ghost stories because um you know it just seems inconceivable that people aren't uh that spirits aren't trapped there in those circumstances absolutely um yeah i have you know read stories and and uh seen stuff where you know like back in the old you know back in those days they they, they had a bell system down in the servants quarters mm. or down down the kitchen to get the attention of you know the the people if they needed food or whatever and there's a lot of stories even of today when when they're doing tours in some of these castles where where the bells will go off yeah you know and, yeah. And there's no one running them yeah 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 Yes, uh, I mean, you know, you're talking of very big properties and mm -hmm. how do you communicate with the servants when you say, you know, we need some more coal for the fire. Um, we need some more port to drink. And they had a whole system of bells and each main room in the house was connected by metal cables to bells in the servants' hall and the servants would know when the bell rang uh who that th they'd know which room was ringing so they'd send a maid or um a butler up there to see what was wanted and yeah you, you again a lot of tales of the the bells ringing i mean cynics would say well you know the wiring's a hundred years old mm -hmm. and it's probably just damp and rust and the natural contraction and expansion of metal in old buildings and things but um again happens too too often for it to be a coincidence i think absolutely and then of course there's the stories the tales of woe of the lost loved ones the, the ladies that are waiting for for their men to come back right you got there's a lot of that going on there's a lot of that there's a lot of that um and again you know men went off to war and didn't come back a lot of wars a lot of unhappy um people and that's probably what we call stately homes those are sort of big mansions in the country that not the aristocracy the top aristocrats lived in but the gentry the landed gentry we call them lived in and a lot of them have those tales of um unhappy souls there and you know you have to remember the social background that getting married in those days you know we're talking the as recently as the early 20th century um in rural areas and places uh where you know you didn't have facebook you didn't have social media it was very hard to communicate and um for a lot of young women uh their chances of finding a husband were quite slim and if they weren't they were then going to be doomed to be old maids and you know just look after other people's children or mm -hmm. sit in a remote part of the 
the house unmarried. So it was a big thing. And again, losing your boyfriend, fiance, husband in a war. Uh, also, of course, um, divorce was frowned upon. Um, so, and, and you know, remarriage was difficult. And you know, the the Victorian era um, mourning period after you'd lost someone was a very long time. So it it was a big thing. And you know, if you lost your loved one, well, that was probably it, and you'd be an unhappy, lonely woman for the rest of your life. I say we're reflecting the social mores of those times, um, which you know might seem puzzling to modern times but that was the fact there mm -hmm. and uh, there's there's a tale i talk about it's about a house near where i grew up in the north of england and there were three daughters of the house and the father had become wealthy and was having a big brand new modern for those times property built uh, and they were going to move out of a smaller, more old-fashioned building. And one of the daughters was very keen to move into it, and she kept going over to the building site to see what it was like and, you know, really looking for it, forward to it. But unfortunately, on one particular journey uh, between the two properties, she was attacked. Um, we'd call it, you know, a violent mugging these days. And she was attacked and robbed and unfortunately, subsequently died of her injuries. But before she died, she said that when I die, I want my head to be buried within the new house so I'd be able to enjoy it and experience it in the afterlife. Now, the family were quite understandably mortified at this thought, appalled by it, and assumed that it was just, you know, the ravings of a woman who was um, dying and, you know, suffered bad injuries and not to be taken seriously. However, uh, so they buried her normally um, in the family plot. But then when the family moved into the new house, you know, a few months later, there were bangings and clatterings and generally a lot of activities going on to convince everybody that the house was haunted and that it might have been the daughter something to do with it so they opened up her grave and found that miraculously her head had already naturally separated from the rest of her body so they took it as a, a clear sign that um you know this was, this was divine intervention that she was to do that so they put the head and they kept it in the house. And the story is, it's a house called Burton Agnes, and the story is that the head is still there. And for several hundred years, it was actually kept on a table in the front of the house. And <laughs> people had different values then. People people looked at things differently. And, I'm sure um, they did. <laughs> you know, and, and every time and every time anybody, you know, thought this is a bit horrible and apparently a couple of people thought maybe now's the time to just take the head away and bury it somewhere out of the way there'd be a repeat of all the bangings and crashings and hauntings and so they'd bring the head back out again and every quiet would go and it's said that the head is still there it's now in a concealed um, um, compartment behind the wooden panelling of the property and it's known only to the current lord of the manor and his eldest son. And um, that's the tale of old Nance, as she's called, old Nancy. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. There are actually a number of old houses in England where they do have um, skulls, not always on public display, but kept there. And they're of illustrious ancestors, and they're almost regard well. They're definitely regarded as um, being bringers of good luck. You know that that they um, they almost protect the property, and um, 
they, they uh, you know, the, the, it's a guiding, it, it, you know, it's a protective spirit, which is, you know, considering all this was taking part when we were supposedly a Christian country, mm -hmm. um, really goes back to um, prehistory and the Celts, the people who were here before the Romans turned up, who did have a um, head skull sort of cult and the skulls of their enemies and skulls of their ancestors were regarded as sacred and again um intimately linked with the uh, with the property you know it's, it's funny because you know even now being more, more modern times when our relatives pass away we do tend to ask them to help us we tend to ask them to protect us you know, to help, and like I said, to help us with certain things. So in a way, it's similar. We just don't keep them physically with us. No, no. But I mean, um, you know, until relatively recently, the Victorians in particular, who were, I suppose, quite obsessed with death and possibly mm -hmm. because Queen Victoria, after her husband died relatively young, she was in mourning for the best part of about 20 years and it was a big became a constitutional issue she just wore she wore black for the rest of her life um and during that era there you know it was the era where people kept lockets of hair from their deceased loved ones sure. they had um intricate little models made sort of plaster cast made of their loved one's hands you see them in some stately homes and there's just sort of a just a hand there on a mm -hmm. on a slab and made of marble and um castings of them and you know keeping some of their clothes and things i mean keeping clothes people still do you know we still keep mm -hmm. Sure. favorite souvenirs of a favorite relative mm -hmm. even though they've been long gone you know all that's that's great grannies, you know, and um, we, we, we still have that atta well, attachment. There's even societies out there that will dig them up every year mm. and hang out with them and then put them back in the, <laughs> put them back in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the heading out towards Indonesia, I think, sure. and uh, yeah. Madagascar, they do it. But, I mean, there's a... You know, the Mexican Day of the Dead right. um, is an element of not quite digging them up and hanging out with them, but going to their graves and hanging out with them on the other side of the grave. Um, Having, yeah, picnics. I mean, even in Victorian times here in the U.S., um, well, not Victorian, but you know what I mean, even in like yeah. earlier times in the U.S., people would go out to the, grave, to, to, to the graveyards and sit and have picnics. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, it, it 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 it's it's that it's somehow you're keeping in contact with your lost loved ones, and you know that, that that's that's where favorite granny was, or you know, and um, mm -hmm. you know, or 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 a young child who you know a child who died in 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 early age, and you know, again, infant mortality was a big thing until relatively recent times, and. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if the the son of a family died, that could be a big issue in terms of economics, um, hopes for the family in the future. You know, the person who would keep the family name going, keep the family business, keep the farm, keep the farm going. If they died, that was obviously a major tragedy. So it affected people. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, I say some of these things go back not that long you know certainly in the early part of the 20th century people were still going for picnics and you know obviously the mexicans still do it um mm -hmm. when they have the day of the dead but um uh you know people made more of it i think and i don't know whether we've become a little bit more casual or more accepting of death or don't make such a big deal of it Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it, 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 it's 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 human nature. 
Absolutely. What about Arthurian legend? About, sorry? King Arthur? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, he's wonderful. I mean, obviously, he's he's the number one superhero in um, in England. Um, I, 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 I mean, it's quite clear, King Arthur, that you see in some of the movies in The Shining Armour, he didn't exist in that time frame mm -hmm. um, because that was relatively well documented and he wasn't there. But there's that period when the Romans were leaving, the Roman legions were going, and the Romano-British, the Celts who were left, were under attack by the Saxons and also the Scots who were coming down over Hadrian's Wall in the north. And it does seem that there were warlords who would fight these enemies and probably based on the late Roman Empire soldiers where they started to use cavalry a lot more mm -hmm. uh, so they could do rapid movement from one place to another. So they were knights and indeed they, the Roman term for them was, was knights. Um, and I'm not sure whether there was an individual Arthur or whether he's a an amalgamation, a sort of race memory of a number of leaders who fought the fight uh, against the Saxons when the uh, when the Romans had left. So, you know, I, I think there is a historical. I think there's a historical basis for the legend of King Arthur, but that is not quite King Arthur and Camelot, although some of the sites associated with the, the legendary King Arthur were clearly military sites that were occupied and used during that period. So, you know, again, linking back to it. So I think he may well actually be a bit of amalgam of several different people, a composite character. But... Um, you know, he, he he again took off as a legend relatively early. You know, he's he, he's you know three four hundred years after his death. You know, people are telling tales about him and writing legends about him mm -hmm. and carrying forward the legend and um, the abbey at oh names escape me um, in the southwest. Ooh, it'll come to me anyway. Um, one it's the, the abbey's long, long gone, but they had a tradition that they'd found the bones of King Arthur and Guinevere there. And there's a piece of stone that appeared, uh, appeared maybe have been a gravestone that appears to say, uh, here was King Arthur or Arturus Rex. Um, oh and game going back a long time um and the legends built up and interestingly the french also took it up because there is this idea that the the britons the people left by the romans they were the same people some of them were forced out by the saxons and they moved to the north of france the area it's called Brittany where they speak Breton language, and they have an, an Arthurian legend as well. And so it became an international legend. Hmm. And, you know, I, I always think there must be something in it because you're talking of a time when the legends could only be um, spread more or less by word of mouth by a minstrel or a storyteller. Hmm. Um, you know, some were written down, but most people were illiterate, so they wouldn't benefit from it. So it was relatively a handful of people. The um, monks and um, people in monasteries would know it. Um, but it became a part of the legendary history of the British Isles and remains through to this day. You know, it's it's it, it's it's undimmed. And I suppose 
every generation revisits it and gives a slightly different spin on it from the historical mm -hmm. point of view and you know arthurian movies still come out arthurian tv series still come out it's it's still part of the the culture of the country and um long long may it be well that was a question i was thinking is what do you because you obviously over there you guys know the, uh, the well the, the actual legend as opposed to what hollywood knows so yeah. Like when that musical came, when that when that musical came out, what 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 did everybody over in Great Britain think about it? Uh, Camelot. Yeah. Mm. Oh, everybody loved it. No, it was it was hugely popular. Um, no, it was it was it was hugely popular because it was still the basic main Arthurian legend about King Arthur and his troubled relationship with Guinevere and Sir Lancelot and the affair with Lancelot and Guinevere that, you know, goes back a thousand years into the histories. Um, so it was still the same basic story of the Knights of the Round Table and Camelot and everything. And, uh, you know, it just it just struck a chord. Um, I mean, it came out in the 1960s, mm -hmm. and in England at least, that was a period of retrospection because the old British Empire, which came to an end at the end of the Second World War, and then all the liberation movements and independence movements throughout what was the old empire took place, and about that time a lot of people were thinking you know oh the glory days are gone and then along comes king arthur with you know and, and camelot with reviving it and going back again to the glory days of ancient history when mm -hmm. you know everything was great and so you know it 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 landed at the right time and it, it just it just hit a Hit a hit a, a positive vibe that everybody loved. Fantastic! I want to go back a little bit from what we were talking about in at the beginning beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. The Cornish miners that came over. Yeah. One of the legends that we have here is uh, is the Tommy Knockers down in yeah. the mines. Yeah. And I have come, and I can honestly say, in my investigations, because I, I live in Sacramento, which is central to the gold country, mm -hmm. and I've had mm -hmm. I've had two or three cases that have involved Tommy Knockers. Yeah, and it's been very interesting because uh, you know, if, if I'm remembering right, they're they're very mischievous. Yeah, and these and, and I have had clients tell me that they see these these little men, you know, uh, maybe three feet tall, wearing overalls, beards, the whole thing, and then they'll see them in their houses, you know, their house running around. Yeah, yeah, I don't get those as such but they're certainly back in the days of the cornish tin mines mm -hmm. um they certainly had a equivalent there were sprites spirits mm -hmm. the names vary pixies sure um that uh lived down there and they were mischievous that you know they would hide your digging equipment mm -hmm. but if they liked you they might push you, head you towards where there was a new seam of copper, or obviously in your country, new seam of gold. Sure. And uh, that they would be active if there was the risk of a collapse, you know, right. um, 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 a cave in or mm -hmm. you know a problem in the mine. That they would they would alert people, um, providing you know you did things like you left a bit of food for them yes. um treated them nice uh left them things that they could use there's there's uh, a long um sort of tradition with not so much tommy knockers but various types of um hobgoblins and um creatures that if you if you're good to them and leave them things 
they'll help you and they will do chores for you. If they're bad for you, they will be mischievous and they will lose things for you. Um, so it's it's that similar thing that the the fairy folk, you know, again, we're back to elementals. Right. Um, and uh, one of the names we have for them is the good people. Um, if you are good to them, they will reciprocate and uh, maybe not necessarily be good for you, but at least will not be bad for you. You know, they 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 will be friendly, and um, you know, they, they leave out a a pie, a pe you know, some food at night or uh, a dish of milk or something like that that they will eat or take back to where they are. And um, again, it comes back to where we're talking about with the skulls. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 they live in the house and they bring good luck to the house and um, they're a helpful spirit to have there. You know, you, it's, 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 um, Going back to the Romans, they they were great believers that there were um, house gods who would help you and you would pray to them. There were the big the big gods who caused thunder and wars and things like that. But there were all these little house gods that you know we call fairies or elves who um, were on your side. And as long as you remembered them and were nice to them, they'd be nice to you. And good luck would uh, stay in the house. Fantastic! Oh my gosh, this hour has gone by so fast. I'm so glad it you has. Came it on. has. Oh my, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. <laughs> I really could, and I would really um, appreciate if you come back on it on a later date so we could do this again. Yeah, I'd definitely be up for that and talk no, about more stuff enjoy. because there's oh, so well, much yeah. more to talk about. So much. There, more. there is so much. Yes, yes. <laughs> And no, I thank uh, you so much. I really do. No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. It's been great talking to you. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your evening, sir. And like I said, I, I will, will be in indeed. touch. I will definitely be in touch because I'd like to get you back on and talk some more. Great. Because I know, I know we, we touched on part of it. We didn't touch on everything. You know, there's a, no, there's no, a lot there's of other a stuff out there we could talk no. about. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, how do people no, reach you. you? How can they contact you before I forget? Um, if they want to contact me, um, my website is Urban Fantasist. Dot com. So it's like urban fantasy, but it's fantasist. And okay. urbanfantasist.com has got me, and you can also find me on Twitter there and social media and everything. Urban fantasist. Right. Thank you. Like that I down. Said, all right. Yeah. Write that down. Write that down. Yes. But like I said, thank you so much. And I will be in touch with you because I'd love to, maybe later in September or something, we can talk some more. Yeah, because definitely. I'm really definitely. eager to, to hear more. You've got me yeah. going on this now. Oh, no. Gonna, that was lovely. I'm going to be that hitting was, the books. It was fun. It was fun being interviewed by you. Cool. Thank you. I'm going to hit the books okay, because then. of you. I'm going to hit the books. Good. 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 All right. You have a good one, sir. Take care. Thank I'll you. Indeed. Bye now. Bye bye. All right. That was a fun show. We're going to get him on again in September, uh, towards the end of September, hopefully. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, we just uh, we we did, we did a rare noon show, and uh, it was a good one. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did. We're not going to be on again until Monday. We're back on our regular schedule because we did a Sunday show. We, it's our three days, and so um, we'll be back on Monday. But, boy, you better tune in Monday. We're going to be on our regular time because we've got a guy, we've got a gentleman coming on who's going to have a documentary coming out. His name is Don Brown. He's an author. And not only that is he has done research on the tragedy of SEAL Team 6, which was shot down over Afghanistan in uh, 2011. And so he's got some interesting research about that SEAL team and what, what may have actually happened to them. So you guys need to tune in, at, you know, to tune in on Monday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Anyway, if you like the show, share it with five of your friends. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies because we're trying to get these share things going across and, and build up build up our downloads and all that good stuff. As of today, we've got quite a few downloads going, and I'm real excited. We, we have grown by, by, by leaps and bounds this month, and I'm shocked. So I hope it keeps up. I, just, I hope it wasn't like a, 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 you know, a one-time month deal. <laughs> I'm real excited about it. Um, as you can see, I have a ticker running at the bottom of the pay at the bottom of the screen here. That's because California Haunts is a paranormal team that does not get paid 
to uh, go out and help people. We are purely uh, donation-based, nonprofit, and all this comes out of pocket. Internet, service, everything, mics, all the good toys. It all comes out of pocket. And, you know, we, like everybody else, we need to keep our equipment up and keep everything going. So if you could find it in your heart to donate something to us, it doesn't have to be a lot. That would be great. And that would be at paypal.me at California Haunts. And if you want to visit our YouTube page, go ahead and Google California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team YouTube, and it'll pop right up for you and become a subscriber on our YouTube page because I also not only have these videos, but I also have some extras on there as well. And we're going to start <laughs> we're going to start doing some outtakes and stuff like that over there on that YouTube page that you guys can see. Anyway, again, thank you. Be sure to share this with five people. And I will see you guys. Let me get my page here. See, I'm getting ahead of myself. See, no falling mics today, so that was a good sign. <laughs> Nothing falling down. And I will see you on Monday. Have a good one.